Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture today is from the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 12 through 24. Brothers and sisters, we ask you to respect those who are working with you, leading you and instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are disorderly. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't suppress the Spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless at our Lord Jesus Christ's coming, the one who is calling you, is faithful and will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, would you open our hearts, our minds, our souls to receive what you want to say to us today uh, and make us grateful today, Lord. Help us to become people of thanksgiving and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I suspect everyone in this room remembers in elementary school at Thanksgiving time, the teachers would have us make out of construction paper those hats and all of that, right? Just like, just like that first Thanksgiving the pilgrims had with the Native Americans. We know now that a lot of that story is, is a bit myth, a bit fable. It's, it's kind of a story that is, celebrates the founding of our nation in its earliest days. But we do know, regardless of the historicity of that moment, that there was a Thanksgiving celebration celebrating their first harvest after a very hard year back in 1621. 1621. Uh, and then after that, the country, there was sort of semi-annual Thanksgiving celebrations. It was finally President Lincoln in 1863 that declared a nationwide day of thanksgiving and praise to our, benef- our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. That's what he declared. Uh, and then in 1870, President Ulysses S. Grant actually made it a federal holiday set all year, uh, every year around the country on the fourth Thursday of November, as we know it now. It was a day. 
but Thanksgiving's evolved a little bit since then, hasn't it? It's not just a day. It's at least four days. For some of us, even more. Some of us treat it as, as a week of vacation. Good for you if you can. Now it involves travel, sometimes across the country or beyond. Now it includes the Macy's Day Parade and football and Black Friday sales and Christmas preparations. And that's what Thanksgiving is, right? It's vacation and stuffing our faces, buying lots of stuff, right? And decorating. That's what Thanksgiving is, right? Well, yeah, it is all those things. But but what about the thanks? What about the thankfulness? I mean, is it isn't it obvious to say that it's possible to spend a tremendous amount of money to travel to the other side of the nation, to eat until you pass out in a turkey coma, to buy every Black Friday deal you can get your hands on and still forget to say thank you, right? We can aim a holiday anything we want, but that doesn't necessarily evoke genuine feelings of gratitude, right? And so are we thankful people? That's really the question there. Are we thankful people? And really it's more than just a day, isn't it? I mean, it's not enough, is it, to give thanks one day a year uh, because the day says to do that? I mean, really it's, are we year-round thankful people? What place does gratitude have in our lives? There is modern, widespread support for the value of gratitude from religious people and psychologists and sociologists and all kinds of sources say that that, that gratitude is actually a good thing for us individually and as a society. It's recognized universally as as a positive personal trait, as a healthy practice, as an admirable character quality. And it's just good old manners, right? Say thank you. We're taught that as children. Brene Brown defines gratitude as an emotion that reflects our deep appreciation for what we value, what brings meaning to our lives, and what makes us feel connected to ourselves and others. Uh, Brene Brown goes on to say that gratitude tends to lead to better sleep. Anybody need better sleep? Right? Better sleep, increased levels of creativity, decreased feelings of entitlement, decreased hostility toward others, better decision-making skills, and even lower blood pressure. A lot of us could use a little more gratitude, huh? Uh, Authors Wilkie and Noreen O add that, that gratitude helps us feel more peace. It increases all kinds of positive emotions, and it makes us more empathetic toward others. Now, we know that that beyond the feeling of gratitude, there are folks that practice gratitude in very intentional ways, pausing throughout the day to give thanks, sometimes before meals, uh, writing thank you notes, some people even keeping gratitude journals. I'll say more about that in just a few minutes. We also know that gratitude, thankfulness, is deeply spiritual, that every world religion incorporates acts and rituals and expressions of giving thanks to the deity that they worship. Diana Butler Bass says, I've learned that gratitude is a central theme in the Bible and that it is also central to all great ethical systems and religions. Giving thanks may well be the primary practice shared by religious and 
non-religious people. And so we're going to talk this week and next week, the two Sundays before this year's Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about gratitude and thankfulness. And the title of my message today is Thankful For. Thankful For. How do you fill in that blank? What are you thankful for? And next week we're going to talk about thankful to. Who is it, if we're thankful people, who is it that we owe a debt of gratitude to? But today I just want us to talk about the things that we're thankful for and how to develop a deeper sense and practice of gratitude in our lives. So just, I want you to reflect for a minute. What are you thankful for? Who are you thankful for? Right in this moment, right, right now, right here, what are you most thankful for? Like, what's the first thing to come to mind? What are the biggest things you're thankful for? Like, the big obvious things. And maybe even more importantly, what are the tiny things, the seemingly insignificant things that we take for granted that would make our lives so much less if we didn't have them? What are you thankful for? Friends, family, this church, the beautiful music we just heard, making it through another hurricane, the upcoming holiday, your health. What, what are you thankful for? Thomas Akempis wrote the, the very famous book, The Imitation of Christ. And in it, he says, be thankful for the smallest blessing and you will deserve to receive greater Value the least gifts, no less than the greatest, and simple graces as special favors. If you remember the dignity of the giver, no gift will seem small. For nothing can be valueless that is given by the Most High God. So I read a moment ago from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's the conclusion of the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so as you heard it, you may have noticed it's just sort of this weird list of very practical spiritual admonitions and teachings. Respect each other. Live peacefully. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with people. Don't repay wrongs. Rejoice always. Pray often. Don't hinder the spirit. Focus on the good things. Avoid evil. All that sound pretty practical, right? I mean, it'd be hard to argue with any one of those, right? But I just want to focus on one that appeared right in the middle. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks, read it with me. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want to say, give me a break. Are you serious? Give thanks in every situation? Is that really what God's will is for me? Am I supposed to give thanks for the outcome of an election when the people I voted for didn't get into office? Am I supposed to give thanks for inflation? Am I supposed to give thanks for COVID? Am I supposed to give thanks for the recent flooding and Hurricane Ian? Am I supposed to give thanks when my team loses? Am I supposed to give thanks when I can't have everything I want when I want it? Am I supposed to really give thanks for every hardship, every difficulty, every pain, every suffering, every loss? Really give thanks in every situation? 
C.S. Lewis once wrote, we ought to give thanks for all fortune if it is good because it is good. If bad, because it works in us patience, humility, contempt of this world, and the hope of our eternal country. I actually think that, that Lewis makes a strong point. That while it might be hard to be thankful for certain things that happen in our life, the truth is that when we go through difficulty, hardship, challenge, it does have the potential to make us stronger, healthier, more resilient people. I recently heard a a podcast on parenting, and it said that all of us as parents want to raise resilient children, and yet we have to battle the instinct to protect our children from difficulty. And yet, how do we become resilient? By going through difficulties, right? That's the challenge, right? Think about the people you know who seem to be strong and seasoned and healthy and mature, and I bet you will realize that many of them have gone through difficult times. And it's overcoming, it's enduring difficulty that we become stronger. And yet, The passage does not command us to be thankful for hardship. It says specifically, give thanks in every situation. It does not say, give thanks for every situation. And that's a big difference. It's one thing to be grateful even during difficult times. It's another thing to be asked, be thankful for the hard time. God doesn't ask that of us. God says, be thankful thankful in every situation, right? We don't need to be thankful for sickness or loss or loss of a job or a breakup or sickness. We don't need to be thankful for those things. But even in the most difficult situations, we can learn to remember to be grateful for what we can be grateful for. Am I grateful I'm sick? No. But can I be thankful for the doctor's? and the nurses, and the medicine that are treating me. Um, I may not be thankful for the loss of my job, but can I be thankful for the money that I managed to save that's going to carry me through the new job? I may not be thankful for the disaster I just went through, but can I be thankful for the people that came to support me and strengthen me and help me recover, right? It's the difference between being thankful in and being thankful for. When I was in my doctoral program, uh, the dean of our program taught a weekly leadership class to our cohort, and part of the class was he assigned us a book to read every week and a reflection paper to turn in on what we had read, to prove we read it, right? And so uh, we we got our first book, actually we got all the books, and and as we started looking through them, none of us were very impressed. We didn't didn't like the books. Um, the, The dean loved the books. We didn't care for them. And so when we all turned in the first reflection paper from the first book, all of us were pretty critical of it. We talked about all of its shortcomings, and the dean wasn't pleased. He said to us, I didn't give you these readings for you to critique it and tell me what's wrong. I gave them because I think every one of these books has something that you need to learn. Quit being such critics and always be open to learning. And you know what? That changed my perspective on a lot of things. I learned more because of that. I still didn't think a lot of the books, but there was something in every one of them. And by the way, life is 
like that. Life provides us opportunities all the time that are less than perfect. And yet, there's still something good to be gained and to appreciate, right? To grow from. Gratitude is like this, right? Think about it for a minute. Think about conversations that go on in your own head or with others. How often are we quick to evaluate, to measure, to to criticize, to notice how something fails to meet our expectations, and to look only at the the, the part that, that is less than what I want rather than what does bless me? Instead of finding thanks, we find fault. Instead of appreciation, we resent. And by the way, the word ingrate, anybody like being called an ingrate? Ultimately, the definition of an ingrate is somebody who resents the good gifts they've been given. Ungrateful, ingrate. I have a growing concern. It didn't just start with this sermon, but I have a growing concern that we live in a society that is so affluent, where there's so much available that we take for granted, and that we are so shaped societally to be consumers. We are shaped as consumers. That we begin to view everything in life as a commodity to be consumed. If everything in life is a commodity to be consumed, then ultimately our stance is to evaluate whether it's worth my consumption rather than to appreciate it for the gift that it is. When something doesn't meet my high expectation, then I feel cheated because I deserve better. I'm entitled to more. How many dining experiences have been ruined because you just didn't like the waiter? How many shows or sporting events did you not enjoy because you didn't like the nosebleed seats you could get or the person that you ended up sitting next to? How many times do we look down at the products that we have because next month the new model hits the market and it's got to be so much better, but I'm stuck with this plan or this thing for the next year, right? Can I only be grateful for what perfectly meets my desires? Or can I be grateful for everything? Author Christine Aroni Seen says, what would our lives look like if all the complaints, frustration, anxiety, distrust, confusion, criticizing and grumbling were swallowed up in a life of thanksgiving? And then she adds, gratitude changes entitlement into appreciation. So I might have a lousy waiter at a restaurant, but did I enjoy my company? Did I appreciate the ambience? Did I leave with a full belly? Maybe I didn't like the seat that I got at the show or at the game, and maybe I didn't like the person sitting next to me, and maybe even my team lost. But did I enjoy my evening out? Maybe the new version of the product will be much better, but does that really make my current one so bad? I actually wonder, and just follow me on this, we all know that religion in America is in decline, right? Is it possible that one of the reasons that religion is in decline is because we live in a nation where we all feel so entitled? 
I don't mean we, I mean we, right? That if I'm not appreciative, if I think I deserve everything I have, I'm entitled to everything, and I'm always evaluating whether it's good enough, when do I ever stop to say, wow, thank you? I mean, isn't that what worship ultimately is? Gathering weekly to be reminded of God's blessing and saying thank you. Have you ever noticed how much a part of worship is saying thank you, both in our prayers and our songs and our liturgies, our doxologies, praise God, from whom, what? All blessings flow. But if I got nothing to be thankful for, then why bother saying thank you at all? Now, just for contrast, I was thinking about my friends in Guatemala who have much less, they're the poorest people I know economically, and among the most grateful. Uh, when, I, when I see them and I just greet them in the traditional, como esta usted, how are you? Every time they say, muy bien, gracias a Dios. What does that mean? Very well, thank you, God. Thanks to God, right? Uh, in, in Mayan tradition, even uh, Methodist Mayans in Guatemala, they don't know how to preach silent. I mean, not pre- preach, pray. They don't preach silently either. Uh, they don't pray silently. They just don't do that. They only pray out loud. And so when someone stands up front like we do and pray, everybody doesn't bow their heads silently. Everybody prays at the same time. It's quite a cacophony of sounds. And as the prayer is going, and it's very loud, very often, what you hear over and over and over is gracias a Dios, gracias a Dios, gracias Señor. Thank you, God. Thank you, sir. Or, or in the Mayan, it's Matios Chawe Kashel, Matios Chawe Kashel, over and over. And sometimes I'll pause like, what are you thankful for? You have so little. You live on dirt floors. You have not enough food to eat. You barely have enough food for money for medicine or send your kids. And yet they're so full of gratitude for everything they have. Matios, chawe, kashel, gracias, adios. When's the last time you said thanks to God? When's the last time someone said, how you doing? You say, I'm great. Thanks be God. You see, when we view life, I'm just think about glasses for a minute. I don't know how many of you wear glasses. Imagine, you know, we talk about rose-colored glasses, rose-colored lenses. If, if we could look through life, look at life through the lenses of gratitude, everything's a gift. But if we look through the lenses of consumerism and entitlement, right? then everything is going to be evaluated. Is it good enough? Is it good enough for me? David Steindl Rass says, everything is a gift. The degree to which we are awake to this truth is a measure of our gratefulness, and gratefulness is a measure of our aliveness. And so let me just summarize. We're going to go into this more next week, but I just want to kind of give you some summary thoughts to think about. Gratitude, thanksgiving, is a combination of at least three things. One, it's a feeling, the feeling of gratitude. Two, there are practices of gratitude that we can do. Some of us were taught them as children. Whether we were thankful or not, we were told to say thank you, send a thank you note. But it's also a choice. How we see the world is largely a choice. It's a decision. Are we going to be grateful people or not? And let me just add a fourth one. I think some might argue, I would argue, that gratitude is an ethic. 
is a moral responsibility, particularly for people of faith. But here's the deal. So oftentimes we are driven by feelings. Like we start there, assuming that that is the primary driver in our lives, right? And sometimes with feelings, either you get them or you don't, right? They're spontaneous. So either this thing that I got makes me grateful or it doesn't, right? There's a feeling. But follow me. If we put in place some practices of gratitude to see the world differently, and if we make the conscious decision that I want to be a grateful person, it's quite possible that the feelings will follow, right? As we act like grateful people, as we make the decision to be grateful, those feelings may just follow. Gratitude can be developed. We can become more grateful people. And so I want to share with you just eight lessons. These are going to be very quick. Eight lessons. These come from a variety of sources, spiritual, religious, theological, secular, uh, psychological, medical. These come from a variety of places. So just take these, and you may want to write one of these down if it might be a practice you would want to do. First one, I just said it. Choose gratitude. Make the decision. I want to work on being a more grateful person. It's a choice. It's a decision. Now you got to act on it, right? Some practices. So number two, monitor. Be conscious of your feelings of entitlement, expectation, and resentment as gratitude saboteurs. When you find yourself feeling cheated, when you find yourself resenting what you have, when you find yourself being jealous or envious of what someone else has, those are good clues to say, I may not be focusing on gratitude right now. Rather than focusing on what I don't have, how can I be grateful for what I do have? Number three, attend weekly worship. You know one of the primary purposes of worship? To remind us of who God is and what God does in our lives. We may not come in feeling grateful, but we may leave feeling grateful. We need that regular reminder. Number four, develop daily practices of gratitude. There are folks that have practices that before they take a step out of bed, they say thanks to God for the day that's to come. Pause before meals to give thanks. At the end of the day, to review your day for things that you can be thankful for. Daily practices of gratitude. Number five, learn to say thank you more often. Um, If you spend much time with me, you'll discover that I am a little obsessive about opening doors for others and letting others go first. I was raised that way. I can't break the habit. If you're with me, I will open the door for you. I'll let you go through. I'm not budging until you go through. It's just how I am. I'm sorry. And you know how rarely anybody ever says thank you for it? Rarely does anyone ever say thank you for it. I don't do it to be thanked, but it strikes me like, really, that's just a common courtesy. Or when the waitress comes and refills your coffee or your water, do we say thank you or do we just expect them to do that? Small things, small things, small courtesies. Say thank you more often. And then a little more formally, six, write thank you notes more often. When's the last thank you note you wrote? And how about for small things, right? I mean, obviously we know the big gifts, the big things, but what about the small things, the small kindnesses, just the appreciations? Thank you for being you. Number seven, 
Learn to count your blessings in some way and do this in a tangible way. There's some benefit in writing it. And so some people keep lists, gratitude lists that they write on, or some people keep gratitude journals. I'm doing that through the month of November. I'm trying every day to sit down and write down the things that I'm gratitude. There are things that appearing every day, Kelly and this church and other things, but then other things surprise me. Something happens today. It just reminds me of all that I have to be grateful for. And then finally, eight, Practice generosity. You see, if, if we see everything as a gift, if everything I receive is a gift, then I'm going to be much more free to give that gift on to others. It was a gift to me, it'll be a gift to you. But if all I ever see is what I lack, if I have a scarcity mentality, then I'm going to grab it and keep it for fear of losing it. Thankful for. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What else are you thankful for? I do that with my gratitude list. What else? What else? What else? And who are you thankful to? That's next week. Come back next week. Thankful to. Let's pray. And so, Lord, may you see in us here at First Gen Methodist Church of Orlando deep gratitude, deep appreciation for you, all that you give us in this life. Lord, remind us that everything is a gift, no exceptions. And yes, we will love some gifts more than others. We'll appreciate some gifts more than others. We'll be blessed by some gifts more than others. Help us to be grateful in all circumstances. Help us to be grateful people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.